A reading from the book of Isaiah. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eyes see or decide by what his ears hear. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor and decide with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, and faithfulness the belt around his loins. The wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the batling together and the little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the pole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain. For the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nation shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. The word of the Lord.
by the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God of steadfastness and encouragement grant you to live in harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, so that together we may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome one another, therefore, just as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the circumcised on behalf of the truth of God, in order that he might confirm the promises given to the Patriots, in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. As it was written, Therefore I will confess you among the Gentiles and sing praises to your name. And again he says, Rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples praise him. And again Isaiah says, The root of Jesse shall come, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. In him the Gentiles shall hope. May the God of hope fill you with 
for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the one of whom the prophet Isaiah spoke, when he said, the voice of one crying out in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John wore clothing of camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then the people of Jerusalem and all Judea were going out to him, and all the region along the Jordan, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he saw many Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit worthy of repentance. Do not presume to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children to Abraham. Even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance. But one who is more powerful than I is coming after me. I am not worthy to carry his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor, and will gather his wheat into his granary. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. The Gospel of the Lord. Jesus is much more inviting than the grown-up John the Baptist. 
As we hear John call the Pharisees and Sadducees and probably us, a brood of vipers today, I shrink away from him a little and quietly ask him to please stop it with the vipers and the axe and the fire. Can't you just be baby John from Luke's Gospel, I ask? I want him to be weeping for joy in Elizabeth's womb, not yelling at us knee-deep in the muck of the Jordan in his camel hair. But there he is, judging in a way that makes us so uncomfortable. We tend, in the Episcopal Church, to consider ourselves perhaps one of the least judgmental of the denominations, and yet we are rooted in the Gospel. And the Gospel is inconveniently packed with judgmental language. What do we do with that? Now, growing up, I loved the Broadway musical Godspell. I know there's some other Godspell fans out here. I still love Godspell. This playful and moving rendition of the Gospel of Matthew is both joyful and quite judgmental. As much as I loved the colorful scenes and the singable music as a teen, I was really put off by some of the script of Matthew's gospel presented in such vibrancy on stage. Saved versus unsaved, sheep versus goats, righteous versus unrighteous, wheat versus chaff. This is Matthew. Now, we are on week two of a year of Matthew. Perhaps it's a good time to ask the question, what is up with Matthew and judgment? Well, while we might not choose the same words that Matthew chose, and we might not present things quite as harshly as Matthew's John the Baptist, when we open our eyes, we do see what they saw. And it's not good. I, and maybe some of you, wept this week over the death of a 16-year-old immigrant in a concrete cell, neglected as he suffered with and succumbed to the flu. Every day we see tragic death, abuse, oppression, hunger, pain. When we open our eyes, we see a world in desperate need of an incarnate God. And if we aren't assessing the problems that have put us so deeply in need, we will become part of those problems if we haven't already. Yet if we are seeing and naming the darkness, that's another way of saying if we are judging, we have the power to call Christ in to help us. Our hearts know that God's dream for us and the reality we live in are out of sync. Matthew's Gospel is the story of that. It's the story of why this world needed God to be born among us. And Matthew's Gospel is still so relevant. I will say that our habit of shifting Matthew's judgments from the judging of people to the judging of sins is helpful. You see, Matthew seems to be treating individuals as either good or bad, and if they're bad, they better repent and get 
will quit or suffer eternal consequences. Too often he defines people as those to be condemned and as chaff to be burned. He wrote this from the point of view of an oppressed population with very little power in society. Through time, though, his words have been translated literally by privileged and powerful populations, leading to generations of Christians seeing themselves as righteous and the other as disposable. The Gospel of Matthew has thus quite unintentionally supported such atrocities as the gas chambers of the Holocaust. Not to mention slavery, racism, sexism, Islamophobia, and every other dehumanizing sin, precisely the kinds of transgressions that made John the Baptist call us a brood of vipers in the first place. Who are you, he asked, to consider yourselves better or more chosen than anyone else? God can raise up children even from these stones. That's, that's the truth of the gospel. And for the gospel of Matthew to bring us closer to that, closer to the kingdom, and not further into division and oppression, we need to turn our backs on any interpretation that causes us to judge in ways that dehumanize others. Instead, we can hear Matthew inviting us into a deeper sense of something that maybe we can call holy judgment. Holy judgment begins by the naming of the darker inclinations of our own hearts and getting down to the business of some internal tidying up. In Matthew 7's chapter, he tells us to remove the plank, the plank, from our own eye before trying to remove the splinter from our neighbor's eye. And in that phrase, I think we have everything we need from Matthew for Advent, grounded in our belovedness, in the truth that each of us is a wonderfully made child of God. Advent's a great time to look within and see where we may have gotten a bit off track from that, where we may have neglected to honor our own belovedness or the belovedness of someone else. We do a little housekeeping in Advent, don't we? Removing the planks in our own eyes and hearts, we use holy judgment to see the harm being done in the world around us and check ourselves to make sure we aren't contributing to it. We practice holy judgment as critics of our own agendas, critics of our own negligence. Using the holy judgment, we see that Christ is coming. And he's going to require a little something of us. A friend of mine says that Advent is preparation for the revolution. Yeah. Jesus' birth is not cute. It's a divine revolution, storming creation, and we are being invited to be a part of that. If we believe that the arrival of Christ has the potential to revolve our world, if we know that our world needs just that, if we understand that John the Baptist sensed the vibrations of the Messiah coming to save us from ourselves, if we realize that Jesus, winnowing fork in hand, is ready to toss the chaff of our lives into the air to be blown by the wind into the fire, so that the grain of our hearts can fall at his feet, clear and uncluttered, and ready to be used to 
world. If we want to be instruments in the coming of Christ again this Christmas, then we must take this Advent season seriously. We must judge with humility, beginning with ourselves. We must be ready to go deep, clean house, listen intently, voyage to the crash with great anticipation, and walk out of that holy barn with Christ in our hearts, ready to bring a new light into a hungry world. Jesse's tree, be a sign of hope to come, 
for this mocking world and all its inhabitants. For our ministry partners at home and abroad, may our love for you show forth in our lives and how we care for others. We pray. O oh, Emmanuel, that you may ransom those who mourn in the lowly exile here in the places of our deep hurts, for the sick and the suffering, especially Lucy, Ryan, Kim, Ellen, Jack, Linda, Alan, Kent, Nigel, Christine, Bert, Matt, Charlie, Dick, Scott, Donna, Rob, Mart, Michael, Joe, Stuart, Daniela, Anne, Susie and Ellie, Sandra, Brosio and Batman, Alice, Jane, Vaughn, Jean, Colby, John, Matthew, Arlie, Will, Barbara, Jack, Eve, Kirsty, and Ian. Are there others? For all who are present without homes, grieving or lonely, for the orphans and widows of today, we ask that in your name all oppression shall cease as we pray. O oh, day spring, we ask that you might disperse the glory of the clouds of night and put death's dark shadows into flight. For all who have died in the communion of your church, especially Mary and Dunmire, and those in those whose faith is known to you alone, that with all the saints they may have rest in that place where there is no pain or grief, but life eternal. We pray. Almighty and transcendent God, you call to us saying, Rejoice, rejoice, Emmanuel shall come to thee, O Israel. Let your spirit open our lives to your hope, that we may see Christ at his coming, to whom be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Let us confess our sins against God and our neighbor.
up on the table where you can ask some questions and meet a friend. Um, and we also hope that you will join us for coffee hour after the service. Through those doors downstairs, around the corner, and the um, there are goodies and coffee and great conversations to be had there. I know we have a couple of, of uh, announcements today. I have a couple of announcements, um, and I promise the kids I will get you to your casual lunch by 11.15. Um, so one thing is Nancy Tiger is not here today. She's with her family this morning, everyone's time, um, but she's with them, and she will be here for the Blue Advent service this afternoon. Um, I highly recommend anyone who is available at 5 o'clock uh, come to the Blue Advent service that Nancy has put together. Um, it's a time of recognizing the grief in this season, uh, and it doesn't necessarily mean that you can someone die this year. Uh, all of our hearts have some sort of sadness and grief that can be addressed as we walk through. So, come to that if you can. Right after this service, the youth group and the kids and everyone involved in the pageant can go downstairs for lunch, um, and we will dive into pageant preparations. Um, and we'll have Hi, my name is Carol Sandal, and I've been a member of Trinity Church. My husband and four kids began coming to Trinity 37 years ago. Um, and today I'm a parishioner involved uh, with St. Stephen's Church in the South End. And one thing I love about Trinity Church is all of our outreach missions and the opportunities to serve in so many different ways. Okay. St. Stephen's After School Academic Fun and Enrichment Program. All those beloved people on your Christmas list that you either don't want more stuff, who you want to honor because they're just good neighbors, they're your kids' teachers, they're your grandchildren that you love and you want to teach them about giving, they're good stocking stuffers. Put them together. Because all those kids that come after school to learn academic skills and cooking skills and take swim lessons and have art instruction, that needs money. You have people that would love to be honored but don't necessarily need more things. Come after church to the link and you can purchase an honor card that you will give that loved person and say, I love you enough, I'm giving this in your honor to St. Stephen's kids so they can have a safe place to be after school. I'll see that. And anyone who doesn't know, the link is just at the bottom of the stairs, halfway to come out. Good morning. My name is Sally Sanford. I've only been a parishioner here for 24 years. For the, for the past 14 years, though, it has been my great joy at Christmas to share the gift of music and to partner with Robert Barney in offering this special music for the 5.30 Christmas Eve service. This year, our focus is on the mystery surrounding the manger and Christ's birth. The special music includes an exuberant and highly virtuosic Italian Baroque motet, a moving late romantic sacred song by Hugo Wolf, and a sweet lullaby herald by Ralph Vaughan Williams. This intimate service also includes Silent Night by Candlelight, which is always magical, favorite carols, and it's over in time for you to carol at the conference center or to have a leisurely dinner afterwards. So I invite you to come and to join more voice of mine. Thank you. Thank you. And then, oh, hi. <laughs> <laughs> 
I'm an unscheduled speaker for um, after our uh, meeting in the uh, underground in the
delight and the good and joyful things, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth. Because you sent your beloved Son to redeem us from sin and death and to make us heirs in him of everlasting life, that when he shall come again in power and great triumph to judge the world, we may, without shame or fear, rejoice to behold his appearing. Therefore we praise you. Joining our voices with angels and archangels and with all the company of heaven, who forever sing this hymn to proclaim the glory of your name.
God, for the people of God. Take it in remembrance of Christ died for you and feed on you in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving, knowing that all are welcome in God's
congregation, I send you forth bearing these holy gifts, that those to whom you go may share with us in the communion of Christ's body and blood. We who are many are one body, because we all share one bread. Blessing of God Almighty, Creator, Christ, and Holy Spirit be with you and those you love, today and always. Amen.